Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. As Dave mentioned, um, I've been hanging around Gateway now for um, over 10 years and I've been on staff for three years. Um, It's been my real privilege to work alongside some very gifted communicators and an incredible pastoral team, and I have learnt so much from them. I'm in the process of studying my Masters at the Gateway Ministry School. I can highly recommend um, checking out GMS if that's of interest to you. It's something I never, ever dreamt that I would do, Um, but it has been a fascinating journey for me. As Mike mentioned, my background is in business, in a secular context, So to be up here sharing with you today is um, uh, really surprising. I I think God just has such an adventure in store for us, doesn't he? Can we pray? Dear Lord, thank you that you are heavenly father and mother to us. Thank you that whenever we need it, you are there to nurture us. God, we want to honour today all the mothers in the room and all the mothers who aren't here with us physically, but are never far from our thoughts. Lord, we celebrate motherhood today in all the ways you designed it. Thank you for the privilege and responsibility to play a role in raising children. I pray that today our mums especially would be blessed as we unpack your word. And God, we do commit this time to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was uh, almost exactly 11 years ago to the day that I was sitting at the Marta Mother's Hospital with my firstborn sleeping beside me, and I was being interviewed by Richard Feidler from ABC Radio. So he runs a, uh, a program, I think, I think the program's still going today, called The Conversation Hour. And he had literally turned up to the Marta Mother's Hospital on Mother's Day and asked the nursing staff which of the women who had just gone through a life transforming experience would be coherent enough to sit down with him and have a conversation. I think if he'd come a day later, I I probably would have been a teary mess and I wouldn't have been that person for him. Um, But on this particular day, the serotonin was still pumping through my body and so I was able to to sit down with Richard and answer his questions. I was sharing my uh, time on the air with a lady by the name of Lyndall. And poor Lyndall, uh, her serotonin had long gone. She was a teary mess. And uh, as she shared her story, I could understand why. She uh, shared the story of her 36-hour long and painful birth, uh, only for it to end in emergency surgery. It all ended well. But she was grieving that her expectations hadn't been met. Richard turned to me after hearing this story and said, Kate, how did Sam's birth go? Did it go to plan? Is it what you expected? And I probably answered a little too upbeat. And I said, yes, Richard, it was day two of maternity leave. I went shopping in Queen Street Mall. I saw a movie with my husband. And then I went home. I lay down on the couch. My waters broke. And six hours later, my angel arrived. Lindor looked at me with disgust, (laughs) which is fair enough. And then Richard asked me how I... I, how I managed, or how I planned to manage working and, um, and motherhood. And I answered him this way. I said, oh yes, everything's organised, Richard. I have a plan. I have three months leave and then I'll return to work part-time. 
In my mind, I was going to continue to run my business, just as I had before my baby was born. I was going to mother my son in true Instagram style. I was going to post photos of all the incredible food that I would cook my new precious family of three. And I was going to continue to socialise, just as I had before my baby came along. <laughs> Can anyone else relate? <laughs> Why did I think this way? Because I was someone who loved being busy. I loved working for myself. I loved kicking goals. Achievement is one of my highest values. And so to be really vulnerable with you, the idea of a baby coming along threatened my identity to some extent. It threatened my way of living. I felt the expectation of people around me. I could hear them thinking, Kate's life is about to change. She has no idea what's about to hit her. She can't keep up doing what she's been doing and be a mother. <clears throat> this is what I felt like society's perspective on motherhood was, that it was really hard to be a mum and have some semblance of an identity for yourself. So when I listened back over this radio interview recently, I had to laugh at myself. I sounded really naive. I could hear in my voice the desperation to reassure everyone that I could keep juggling all the balls I had in the air and just add one more to it, called motherhood. Ten months after this interview, I found out I was pregnant again, <clears throat> but this time with twins. <laughs> Some might say God was trying to get my attention, that my plans weren't necessarily his. So Michael and I had three children in 17 months. I love telling people that and watching the look on their face as they try and do the maths. <laughs> <clears throat> this pregnancy with the twins was not smooth sailing. The girls had um, what's called twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome. And the best way to explain this to you is that before 2002, 90% of babies affected by this did not survive the pregnancy. So our life was turned upside down. We um, were raising a toddler, we were building a house, we were running two businesses, and we were heading up to the Mater Mother's Hospital for very regular monitoring. Mike and I were living in a state of fear <clears throat> because we didn't know how things would turn out. At this stage of our lives, Mike and I did not identify as Christians. I'd been talking to God on and off for years, but he chose this particular period of our lives to begin knocking on my door a little louder. I thought the uh, timing was a little inconvenient. <laughs> by the time the girls were born, healthy, by God's grace and an amazing medical team, I was a long way from the pin-up mum of Instagram I thought I would be. I was more like a pin-up mum for the sleep clinic that I was seriously considering checking myself into. I was exhausted beyond what I ever thought was possible. I felt permanently attached to what looked like a like a pool ring, and that was how I fed two babies at once. Everything that I'd learned about mothering with my, my firstborn, my son, went completely out the window because I had two more now. And I literally felt like I had to be an octopus, like I didn't have enough arms to hold my babies. And it was like they wanted to be fed or held constantly. I felt the weight of expectation heavily during those first few years. It was an intense introduction to motherhood. In private, this period of my life brought me to my knees, but in public, I was still trying to live up to the expectations that I placed on myself. I would compare myself to other mothers, 
I would look to social media for the highlights of other people's lives and I would put this together as a presentation in my mind and, and that was what I idolised. That's what I thought I had to... I thought that was the epitome of womanhood and that's what should guide me through life. When the girls were about six months, we started to attend Gateway Mackenzie. We'd not yet committed to Jesus, but we wanted to provide a foundation for our kids. We would turn up with our three cute kids and pretend we were polished parents who had indeed slept the night before. No one would know that we'd been fighting for two weeks. No one would know that our house was a mess and that there was no food in the fridge. The truth was we were so tired that the idea of handing our children over to someone in a green t-shirt just so that we could stare at the pulpit for an hour in peace seemed like a really good option (laughs) at the time. I told you I'd be vulnerable this morning. I'm sure some of you can relate to this. How often do we put on our happy face or our brave face or our I've got it all together face and swan into church on a Sunday and hope that no one notices the weight of expectation we've placed on ourselves is a little heavier. My first thought when I started coming to church was, why is everyone crying? I found that there was a lot of people that cried in church and I remember thinking, why can't they just keep it together for an hour? (laughs) Nowadays... (laughs) One of the things I love most about church is that this is a safe place that you can come and just cry out of fatigue or frustration or hurt or confusion or just weep for joy because of how much God loves us. There are not many places that you can do that in society today. There's been a lot of press recently about the loneliness epidemic in Australia. And you'd think that would contrast with how busy we are, but in fact, the two correlate. And when we overlay this with social media trends, we have a cocktail of expectation overload. One of my favourite researchers and speakers at the moment is Dr Brene Brown, and she researches shame and vulnerability. And she says that being able to express these feelings is the opposite to living with expectation. And I can highly recommend, she's got a Netflix show at the moment and a couple of TED Talks. She's fascinating to listen to. But back to our first few years at Gateway. One of the first books that a well-meaning lady handed me had a powder pink cover. It had lace and flowers on the front cover and it was called Beautiful in God's Eyes. And the premise of this book was Proverbs 31. Now, I didn't have a lot of context at the time with which to absorb the message of this book, but I had a quick flick through it and I dismissed it just as quickly. Proverbs 31, to me, looked like it reduced womanhood to marriage, children, and domesticity. It did not help me move closer to Jesus. It added to my well-practiced habit of adding expectation to myself, and as Brene Brown would say, walking around in a state of shame. The story I was telling myself was, if I'm going to commit to following Jesus, this is a checklist of things that I have to live up to to be a good Christian wife. I am a little wiser now. Six years ago, I finally said yes to Jesus. I was stubborn, it took me years. I had a lot of patient people around me at the time. But it is the best decision that I've ever made. One thing I learned very early on in my Christian journey is that the Bible is a really complex piece of literature to read. I realized it would take time and I would have to wrestle with some of the scriptures. But over the years, I have loved that journey and I continue to love it today. I have loved learning about the nature of God and the way in which I'm invited into a relationship with Jesus. I've learned that his grace is abundantly more than I could have ever imagined. 
And so this passage that spoke to me of expectations didn't line up with the God that I was getting to know. So you can imagine my reaction when they asked me to to speak today on Proverbs 31. (laughs) I find that God has a great sense of humour. So as we celebrate Mother's Day today, I want to take a moment to revisit Proverbs 31 because it turns out I missed quite a bit the first time I looked at it. Proverbs 31 was actually handed down from a mother to her son, who was a king. So the original intended audience for Proverbs 31 was men, not women. This king, the king he wasn't a king of Israel, he was a king of a neighbouring country. King Lemuel was his name. And it turns out he was quite creative, because he actually took this inspired utterance from his mother, and he turned it into an acrostic poem, so that husbands could memorise it, and sing it over their wives in praise to honour them for all that they had contributed to the family and to the community in which they lived. So it's a poem of praise that focuses on the character of a noble wife. I was chatting to my 11-year-old son a few weeks ago about acrostic poems, and uh, he, um, we were talking about what an acrostic poem is. And so just so you understand what an acrostic poem is, I thought I would share with you the one that he sent me for the word mummy. It's gorgeous. Very simple to the point. My underage, marvellous mum. Yeah! (laughs) I can assure you I'm not underage, but I do love his reference to my apparent youth. Bless you, Sammy. You might have received an acrostic poem from your child or grandchild. They might have brought it home from school or from kindergarten. Here's one more example. coming. Here we go. Marvellously overflowing with love and touching the heart of everyone she reaches. So clearly it's aspirational. I don't know about you, but I can't be all those things all the time. But rather than read a poem like this handed to you from a child as expectation that they put on you, we look at it as a poem that praises us and honours us and celebrates all that we have done. These are good qualities. They make up for a good character. And I can imagine that any mother who was teaching her son about the kind of life partner he should seek would only want the very best for her son. She'd leave the bit out about three children in 17 months. She wouldn't even go there. She'd be intentional about highlighting the character of a wise woman with whom he could do the highs and lows of life with. So Proverbs 31 speaks of a woman who is trustworthy, resourceful, industrious, organised, creative, productive, efficient, hardworking, a smart investor, an astute businesswoman, a great cook, a green thumb, a good friend, a counsellor and a tutor. I don't know about you, but if somebody had tried to explain someone I hadn't yet met using all those words, I would find that person really intimidating to meet for the first time because they sound so amazing. So it's no wonder that for years, women have read this passage of scripture and missed the point. Instead of hearing the honour for women, we can simply feel the weight of expectation. It's true that God has high standards. He calls his people to live lives of high morals and honourable values. He asks us to treat people right 
to make choices that are kind to others, to act in selfless ways. Sometimes these choices aren't easy. Sometimes it's much easier to choose what is comfortable or what is self selfish. But God wants the best for us, just like our mums, and his inspired word in this passage reflects that. The purpose of Proverbs 31 is to celebrate godly wisdom in the everyday, ordinary things that we do as women. The passage talks about a woman who cares for her family, who cooks for them, who keeps an organised home. And it also celebrates a woman who is intelligent, who is entrepreneurial, resourceful and takes calculated risks that pay off. She's a woman of influence and a woman of compassion. It celebrates bravery and it praises fearlessness. It demonstrates the possibility in all that women are capable of, called to and responsible for. If we think about the context within which this was written, this poem completely debunks the myth that women are of little value, which is how they were perceived at the time. The woman depicted in these verses is the ultimate girl boss. She had it all, she did it all, she made her own decisions. And it's almost as if this poem was a prophetic utterance of who Jesus would say women are when he honoured them and ministered to them hundreds of years later. So we're going to read this verse together, Proverbs 31 from verse 10, and the poem is called The Wife of Noble Character or A Virtuous Wife, and that can be best translated as a woman of valour. The original Hebrew words for a woman of valour, at the risk of sounding like I'm swearing, is eshet chayil. Can everyone say that with me? Eshet chayil. It's tricky, isn't it? So Eshet Chayil, um, this isn't the only time that we see this in the Bible, we also see it in the book of Ruth. And what's really interesting about that is that Boaz is praising Ruth in chapter 3 and he uses the same words. But Ruth um, is not married, she does not have children, she uh, is not yet a woman of influence or um, a woman of means. So we can see here that... Um, the Hebrew blessing, Eshet Chayil, is not about what you do, but it's about how you do it. Amen. Let's read from verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night, and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. 
and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Whenever I read that, I just imagine my husband and my kids saying that to me before I've had a coffee, and I think, that is such a blessing. <laughs> Let me read that again. Her children arise and call her blessed before coffee, and her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. You can see how a woman would be forgiven for feeling the weight of expectation from this passage at first glance. I mean, verse 22 and 24 take me out completely. I can't sew. My grandmother's here this morning and she's an amazing quilter. I'm sorry, I've just missed that gene. But the last verse, verse 31, is the only instructive language in the poem. And it instructs the intended audience to honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. So indeed, the purpose of the poem is to highlight the glory in the everyday. Okay, we're going to have some fun with Proverbs 31. We're going to paint a picture of what this marvellous woman might look like in 2019. So if we think about the hopes and dreams that, this, that uh, this, the king's mother had for her future daughter-in-law, we can understand that that might feel like expectation to this daughter-in-law that hasn't yet come, al come along. So the verse says that she's a godly woman, so she has her Bible. She is a woman who thinks of others, so she would volunteer on the prayer team or on the welcome team, perhaps. She's an astute businesswoman. So she has to put her business coat on. She's clothed in the latest fashion. Doesn't match, but that's okay. She cooks for her family. I have my whisk. She's always prepared to look after her family. First aid kit at the ready. This one even has a Velcro. She's a green thumb, so she can not kill herbs, which is amazing. She can sew. She feeds her family in the middle of the night. <laughs> if you don't get it, just ask the woman next to you. <laughs> She keeps an organised home. She has great wisdom to give her friends and her kids. Tell the boss I gave his book a plug. She invests wisely. She reads the financial review. She understands what the big words mean. She loves and respects her husband. She brings him coffee in the morning. Right, honey? She keeps fit because she needs the energy to do all these things. And she does the grocery shopping as well. I 
That's what the Proverbs 31 woman might look like in 2019. <laughs> Hang on, I dropped something. Occasionally things drop. But just... <laughs> that wasn't in the script. <laughs> That's okay, when things like that happen, the Proverbs 31 woman, she just, just uh, moves on. <laughs> she just pushes them aside and moves on. <sighs> so this feels heavy. This feels really burdensome. Yet this passage speaks to the possibility of all that women are capable of, called to, and responsible for. But if we're not careful, we can feel the weight of expectation to be all these things all the time. And this is not just for women. This is for men too. We all feel the weight of expectation. We all load ourselves up with expectations <clears throat> to some extent. Proverbs 31 was, intent, was not intended to be a checklist to tick off. Rather, it is designed to help us highlight the qualities in each other that we should admire. It is designed to remind us to honour one another, to encourage one another, and to lift one another up. Expectation can be heavy to carry around. We can be really hard on ourselves and our self-talk can be rubbish. But receiving honour, recognition and encouragement from someone who sees what we do and how we do it goes a long way in lightening the load we put on ourselves. Having said all that, we can't sit around waiting for the encouragement to come from others. As nice as it is to be honoured for our character, we must take responsibility for our own self-talk and the load that we place on ourselves. Proverbs 31 speaks to us of our wisdom, our intuition, our compassion and our practical side. So we must take these noble virtues and recognise that God celebrates these things about us. And on top of that, he never expected us to do this alone. He never expected us to do this alone. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he invites us to share the load with him. Now, if you're anything like me, I wasn't a Christian for 33 years, and so I started to hear a lot of new words when I started coming to church, and one of the words was yoke. I heard this word yoke, and all I could think about was eggs. So we don't use the word yoke in, in our society very often because it's, um, it's an agricultural term. So I'm kind of hoping there's someone in the audience today who's also thinking about eggs. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I do want to share with you what I've learned about this word yoke. So a yoke is a timber cross piece that sits across two oxen and it's designed to partner them up, to team them up. And uh, more than that, um, these are made individually for every animal. So the, the craftsman shaves the timber down so that it doesn't irritate the oxen, it, it fits comfortably. And it's designed to partner these two oxen together so that they can be more effective, they can share the load together, and they can be more productive. So when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, he meant that what he asks of us should not feel like heavy expectation. 
He says, my burden is light. I actually like that he used the word burden. I think some burden is a good thing. It, it reminds me of the phrase, a burden of ownership. And that just means that someone cares about an outcome or a result. But it shouldn't feel heavy. Jesus says it is light. But without Jesus, our expectations can feel really heavy. It's a little lighter now that I don't have a coffee mug in there. <laughs> but that's okay. Jesus says our expectations can feel heavy without him. But he invites us to share the load with him. He says we can lay down our expectations. We don't have to do it alone. We can share the load with him and lay down our expectations at the foot of the cross. He wants to lighten our load. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus or if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you may not know where to lay your worries down or where to place your burdens, who to share your burdens with. At the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to start that relationship today. We're going to invite you to ask Jesus to share the load with you. And remember, this is not just for women. This is for men. This is for children. This is for older people. This is for people from every nationality, every background, every minority group, every, everyone who has a past. Jesus doesn't care. He's just interested in you and he's interested in sharing the load with you. I know in my own life, since I've accepted Jesus, I have absolutely loved sharing the load with him. He has indeed made his yoke easy and his burden light. When I spend time with Jesus, when I worship him through music, when I read his word, when I pray, when I talk to him about my day's priorities, my burdens are lighter. Lord. I may still appear to be just as busy, but I go about my work in peace. I am not overwhelmed. I do not feel the heavy burden of expectations. Instead, I toil out of joy. I receive energy from the Holy Spirit that means I can passionately pursue everything that is before me. I still value achievement, but I don't pay the same cost for it anymore. I go about my achieving with a peace and a purpose and a knowing that he is guiding me every step of the way. Remember the acrostic poem? When we receive a poem like that from a child, we don't feel the weight of their expectation on us. We simply see it as a sweet poem designed to honour us and to celebrate us. And Proverbs 31 is exactly the same. So my challenge to us all here this morning is to find someone to honour today. And on Mother's Day, that's not hard. Lift them up, celebrate them and praise them. If you're heading out to lunch today with family, why not just take a few minutes to pause and share a few words about what your mother means to you or what the special woman that you're having lunch with means to you. Remember that expectation can feel heavy, but when we encourage one another, it lightens our load. Mums, you are doing an amazing job, a great job. As a community, we want to honour you today. We want to applaud all that your hands have done. And so in the spirit of Mother's Day, I'd like to honour a couple of special women in the congregation this morning. The first person I want to honour is Angela Bourne. She's looking at me like, what? 
Angela has literally been getting her hands dirty a lot lately, and I'll explain why in a minute. But I remember the first time I saw Ange in church. You see, I grew up a couple of doors down from Ange, and as a kid, I looked up to her. So when I first saw her at Gateway, she was one more person that I could relate to, and she was one more reason why I thought I could trust Jesus. And as I learned more about who she was as a mother and a wife and a person who powerfully ministered the Word of God to women who so desperately needed it, I began to see how powerfully God was using her. Ange and her husband, Geordie, have been busy renovating a house that will welcome four young mums and their children and their kids as soon as it's ready. These women come from domestic violence situations and I know that they'll walk into a safe place where they are loved and equipped to get back up on their feet. They'll find hope and healing in Jesus because of the incredible woman that Angie is. Angie, we want to honour you this morning for the, all the work that your hands have done. We have a small gift for you. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> The second person I'd like to honour this morning is Shadi Morrow. The Morrow family have been on an incredible journey over the last five years, and I know that it's had its ups and downs. Shadi has stood by Dave every step of the way. She's raising three gorgeous children, and she's overcome some of her own fears to honour God in establishing this campus. We love seeing Dave up here passionately sharing the Word of God most weeks, but today we want to honour Shadi. Shadi, we want to honour you for all the hard work that you do behind the scenes. I'm sure it goes largely unthanked and unseen, not by Dave, of course, but by the rest of us. We want to thank you for leading women's ministry, for the role that you play in worship. And we just want to thank you for always having a smile on your face and always having an encouraging word for others. So today on Mother's Day, Shadi, we want to honour you for all that your hands have done. And we have a small gift for you. Give Shadi a round of applause. I wonder if we could pray for all our mums right now. Can I just see all the mums in the audience with their hands up, please, so we can find you. Grab one of these hands, gather around our mums. Let's pray a blessing over them this morning on Mother's Day. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it reminds us to honour the way in which our mums love us so well. Thank you that you designed our mums to give us life, to care for us, to counsel us, to sacrifice for us, and to love us. Thank you that our mums come in all shapes and sizes, have different strengths and weaknesses, teach us the passions of their hearts, and provide for us in a million different ways. Thank you for all that they have done that we did not see or recognise at the time. God, help us to honour them today and always. We pray your rich blessings over them today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.